You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you, HSM, for practicing that journaling discipline with me. And remember, whatever you wrote down, that's for you. That's just for you. And, and I hope, again, by the end of the night, that that's for you to bring to the Lord so that, it, so that it's yours and his. And maybe what you wrote down kind of surprised you. And again, I want to I encourage you to hold on to that. But I also want you to take a moment and realize, maybe even look around the room and realize that every single one of us just wrote something down. That, that this room is full of people who are worried, angry, or sad about something. And most of us don't even realize it about each other. And if we did know the things that each other was carrying, it would probably break our hearts. And I probably didn't need to tell you this, but we live in a fallen world that is full of sorrow, pain, and evil. And when we say fallen world, we're referring to the fall, when sin entered the world. That's, that's a story that's found in Genesis chapter 3. And God had created everything perfect. He had created humans to be in perfect relationship with him. But then we messed it up. We disobeyed God. And so we, through our sin, marred or messed up everything that God had created. And that's why I believe all of us, wherever we're at with Jesus, we live in this tension where we know that we were originally intended for good. We know the right things, but what we're seeing and experiencing is so much devastation, it's so much sorrow and so much pain, and our hearts are screaming out from the depths, it is not supposed to be this way. We know that in our souls, that, that this world and the way that it's going, it's not supposed to be this way. And maybe in that place, we call out, God, where are you? And that is a bold question, and it's a very vulnerable question. And if that's where you're at tonight, is asking God, where are you? Or if it's where you've been before, can I encourage you that you are in such good company? Because maybe you didn't know this, but the Bible is full of people who boldly called out to God. That's your first fill-in. That the Bible is full of people who asked God bold questions, even questioned his goodness and righteousness at times because of the sorrow, pain, and devastation that they had been experiencing. And that is kind of crazy because if God is so holy, if he is on his throne, that is wild that he invites people to come up to him in honesty. And tonight and next Wednesday night, we are going to be studying the scripture that tells us about one of those people in the Bible. And we're going to kind of go on a journey along with him as he cries out to God, where are you? And tonight we're going to walk through the first half of his story. And at the end of tonight, we're going to kind of pull it all together and, and start to see what Habakkuk teaches us about going to God and about God himself. 
So find me in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I cry for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Wow, Habakkuk really goes for it with God. And before we really unpack his questions, there's some important background that we all need to get on the same page about. Habakkuk is a prophet of God in the southern kingdom of Judah. So something uh, to remember about any time that we study one of the prophets is that this is usually in the time where Israel, God's chosen people, is a divided nation, a divided kingdom. Israel in the north, Judah in the south. Habakkuk is a prophet in the south. And a prophet is a big word, but it really just means a mouthpiece for God. And sometimes when we think about prophets and prophecy, we think about people who predict the future. But biblically, being a prophet is, is a lot less like foretelling the future, and it's a lot more about speaking truth and insight to the present times, to what people are actually currently going through. And what's interesting, too, about Habakkuk is that he's a prophet who's less about preaching a message to all of God's people, and, and at least what we see in Scripture, it's way more about Habakkuk's own dialogue with God. And so that's Habakkuk, and he's crying out to God, asking, how long, Lord? How long must I cry for you to help, and yet you do not listen? And Habakkuk is so upset because his people, the kingdom of Judah, they are no longer really worshiping God. That's not their, their priority. And because of that, Habakkuk sees his kingdom declining spiritually, and that means they're also declining socially and morally. And then he also starts to see this threat that there's another nation known as Babylonia and the Babylonians are getting ready to attack Judah. And, and Habakkuk is, is right about these things because eventually the Babylonians do conquer Judah, okay, and it's extremely violent. And then it leads to the exile of Judah, the exile of God's people, which means they're taken away from their homeland. And so Habakkuk is saying, God, <laughs> we're good people, right? Like we're your chosen people and look at what's happening, okay? Like we're falling apart and this other nation is gonna attack us. Like, God, can you, can you come and do something about this? <laughs> because this is really awful. And so Habakkuk brings a complaint to God. That's probably what it even says as a header in your Bible is Habakkuk's first complaint. And Habakkuk brings up the problem of evil. And this is something that you've probably heard of before, or if you haven't heard of it, you've probably asked these questions before, or someone has talked to you about it. And really what, what the problem of evil is is that evil exists in the world. But it doesn't just seem to exist, it actually seems to flourish. And maybe 
it's led you to ask some questions like, well, if God really is good, then is God doing anything about evil and injustice? And then, why is it that it seems like people who do evil things seem to prosper, while people who do good things seem to suffer? And let's make this really personal right now. Is there someone in your life, if you're really honest, who just kind of annoys you? Is there something in Kyle's hand? Oh, wow, okay, class participation, I love it, yeah. Let's, if we're honest, there's probably someone in our life that kind of annoys us, or, or maybe they're hurting us, and it seems like they get everything that they want still, and you're not getting anything that you want. And maybe as you're looking, about, looking at our world, you're thinking, okay, well then, yeah, like why does this person get money? And this person doesn't. And this person with money may not be doing really awesome things. Why, why, why is that? Maybe you're asking, why did God heal that person's sickness, but he didn't heal my own family member? How come wars continue on with so much death and devastation and cruelty, and it just keeps going? Why? And that's all really heavy, but already in these first four verses, I think there's some freeing news. We don't have to pretend like evil doesn't exist. It does. And Habakkuk called it out boldly to God, and get this, God takes it, and he actually answers Habakkuk. Chapter 1, verse 5, the Lord answers, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetus people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Verse 11, then they sweep past like the wind and go on, guilty people whose own strength is their God. I need to pause and do just a quick side note here because I think we just learned something really important in the Lord's answer, and that's this. The root of sin and evil is selfishness. The root of sin and evil is selfishness. If you go back to verse seven, the Lord said that these people promote their own honor, not God's honor, their own honor. Verse 11 says that this guilty people, their own strength is their God. Not God, their own strength. We see this in Habakkuk, all over scripture, that sin and evil comes when we make something God that's not God. And we do that today. Sin and, and evil comes from our own selfishness. But we don't call it selfishness. We don't call it making a God out of something else. No, we call it perfectionism. But selfishly, we just want to be the best. We don't call it selfishness. We call it getting a good GPA. But really, why do you want that GPA? So that you could get into a good college? So that you could get a good job? So that you could make a lot of money? So that what? Selfishly, you could have everything that you want and live a safe and comfortable and perfect life? 
We don't call it making a God out of something else. We call it making sure everyone likes me. The root of sin and evil is selfishness. And sin always has consequences. But I do want to clear the air here because sometimes when we talk about God's wrath and and God punishing sin, we kind of can give the Old Testament a bad rap. And and I kind of think Habakkuk already clears the air on this because the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. And maybe you've heard this before, but sometimes people are like, man, the Old Testament is just like a bunch of God's wrath. Like, I need that New Testament grace. And I think, I think there's some truth in that sometimes, but, but we have to remember when we study the Old Testament that God is not throwing a temper tantrum, that God is not struggling with uncontrollable anger. No, God is the only person who could be perfectly and righteously angry because he is a just God and he's also compassionate. And for Habakkuk, right, he's, he's complaining to God. Like, how are you letting these bad things happen to good people? But, but God is saying, hey, you're, you are actually in sin yourself. And remember, this is God's chosen people. These are the people that God has revealed himself to, that the rest of the world doesn't know in the same way. And they have still said, God, we know you, but we don't want to choose you anymore. We want to worship something else. That these people have blatantly committed sin against God for years and years, and there is always a cost that has to be paid for sin. And that's partly why God is saying, yeah, I I am raising up the Babylonians, and that you will face this hardship and that the suffering is not over. There's, There's more to come. And I do want to be very careful and clear here, and I actually want you to look me in the eyes as your pastor and hear me say, this does not mean that all the suffering you face is due to your own sin, okay? It doesn't mean that every time you go through something hard that God is just punishing you because he's upset with you, okay? it's, It's not like that. Sin has affected everything, And so sometimes when we suffer, we're really just facing the reality that we're in this fallen world and that sin has messed everything up. And I was trying to come up with an illustration that would help us understand this. And uh, what came to mind, what I feel like the Lord brought to mind was Legos. Do we have any Lego lovers in the room? Okay, yeah, 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 okay, 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 my people, okay, yeah, 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 big. Oh, Haley loves Legos, so just talk to her later, just, you know, ask, ask to see her keychain, okay? But I thought about Legos, and um, I don't know why, uh, I'm not, like, super into Legos, but I've been hanging out with my friends' kids a lot who are into Legos, and uh, Marcus, our new young adult pastor here at Purpose, is a certified uh, what is it, a certified Lego master builder or whatever that is. He has a certificate, so if you're interested, uh, uh, reach out to him. But I've been thinking about Legos, okay? And here's what I was thinking. It's almost like when God created us, he gave each of us a giant bucket of Legos. And we got to decide what we would do with it. And when we choose to use all the Lego pieces in the ways that they were designed and intended to be used, the results are actually pretty beautiful. The results are awesome. 
And I know that some of you are Lego fans, and uh, so actually Felipe has an awesome uh, example of a Lego creation. Check it out. (laughs) So, So awesome. Yeah, give it up for Felipe. Awesome. This this is what happens when we use our God-given Legos in the ways that they were intended, okay? But not all of us are like Felipe, okay? Not all of us are like Felipe. And instead of using our God-given Legos in the way that we intended, we took our Lego bucket from God and we said, God, I don't trust your ways. We said, God, I want to take our, my life in my own hands. I, I want to decide what to do. You're holding out on me, God. I don't trust you. I want to live in my own ways. And because of that, we took our God-given Lego buckets and we dumped it out. So sorry about the splash zone. But we dumped out our Legos. Okay? And... We created a mess. (laughs) That selfishness that we just talked about, we created a mess and nothing we could do. There's way too many pieces. There was nothing that we could do to, to put the Lego pieces all back in the bucket on our own. And so we're walking around, living our lives, surrounded by a mess of Legos. And have you ever stepped on a Lego? Anybody? Yeah. It's the worst, okay? That pain is up there with bad paper cuts and a razor scooter straight to the ankle. Like, like it's, it is the worst, okay? And so we're living our lives and sometimes we step on a Lego and it hurts. And sometimes I'm not stepping on my Lego, I'm stepping on Andrew Watson's Lego. my fault, right? That's not my Lego, okay? But we're still living in sin. Sin has affected everything, and and my Legos clearly have hurt other people. And this is how we're living our lives. And friends, this is why we need Jesus. It's because he did what we couldn't do, that he came into our mess And he put our Lego pieces back in the bucket so that we could once again live in relationship with him and experience his goodness. It's why as a a church, we're studying the book of Ephesians on Sundays. And and I love what Ephesians chapter 2 says. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God's grace through Jesus, his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection, by putting our faith in him, that is the only way that we are saved. That's the only way that we could ever clean up our mess of Legos. But there was a real price to be paid. That's why Jesus died for us. And so we have to remember that sin is real and has real consequences. But even though that's the truth, God is gracious and merciful even though we are sinful. Even when we're sinful. 
And if you carefully read the Old Testament, I think you'll find, just like I have, that it's really not a story of of good people being punished by a cruel God. And it's way more about God out of his great love for us, chasing after the very people who are running away from him. And oftentimes, God is just giving sinful people exactly what they're asking for, which is their own freedom to worship whoever they want to worship. It's that selfishness. And God kind of says, okay, that's what you want. That's what you're asking. I've been trying to reveal myself to you, but okay. And for Habakkuk, part of God's righteous, meaning perfect judgment, is that Judah will pay the price for their sins by being captured by the Babylonians. And that's devastating. But only God could use such devastation and pain and suffering and turn it into something good. And that something good is usually that God's people would choose to return to him and worship him alone for his glory and for the good of the world. So Habakkuk pointed out the problem of evil, and then the Lord answers, as we read, yes, the Babylonians will conquer your nation. God basically says to Habakkuk and Habakkuk's complaint, you're right. The Babylonians do terrible things. It's awful. And yet, I'm still going to let them conquer you. I'm still going to have you go through this. And Habakkuk replies in the way that I think every single one of us would respond to God. And Habakkuk basically says, bro, like, really, God? Really? Did you not just hear what you said? And Habakkuk says, verse 12, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallowed up those more righteous than themselves? In chapter 2, verse 1, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Habakkuk says, God, I know that you are good. I actually think Habakkuk gets a little sassy and he's like, God, you are everlasting, aren't you? Aren't you the rock? Like, what are you going to do about this? Why do you wait? Why do you let this happen? And the Lord begins to answer once again, Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. And the book of Habakkuk continues, but I think what's fitting for studying this book and for our series is that we're actually going to pause and wait here with Habakkuk. Because There is something to be learned for the Christian about bringing our hurts, pains, and complaints to God and then waiting faithfully for God's answer. And we learn at least three things about Habakkuk and God, at least so far. 
Habakkuk, I love him. One of the reasons why I love him is that he prays honestly with God. He doesn't pretend like evil doesn't exist. We don't have to pretend like with God, all things are sunshine and rainbows. No, we could be honest about the evil that we're seeing in the world. And actually, if you go to the next slide, we'll see that what's encouraging about us being honest with God is that God hears the cry of his people. That God is not annoyed when we ask a big question like, God, where are you? God does not dismiss us. He actually hears us. But then going back to Habakkuk, what I love about him is that I think he's just as honest with God as he is faithful to God. Okay, that's why he's such an example to us, because he does both. Because even while Habakkuk is complaining, he recognizes God's goodness and power, even in the struggle. And I think when Habakkuk is in that place, he gets the invitation of a lifetime where God says, Habakkuk, I want you to trust me that I am up to something bigger than what you can see, that I am writing a grander story, that I am doing something even now, even in these difficult days that you would be amazed by, that you would not even believe. Would you trust me? And then Habakkuk faithfully waits for the Lord's response. And God faithfully responds in his perfect timing. That it might seem like it lingers, it might, seems like, it might seem like it delays, but we are encouraged not to worry about what we can see, but to trust that God is doing something in his perfect timing. And as we begin to wrap up, I want to remind us that the prayer, God, where are you, is a bold and vulnerable prayer, but it's a really valid one. And God hears it. And God will not shame us for asking such a question. And so I want to challenge you students to ask such questions of God. But don't be surprised when God then invites you to go on an adventure with him. And it's going to be full of challenges. It's going to be hard. It's going to be full of waiting. But it will also be wonderful because God will be right there with you every step of the way. All God asks us to do is to continually trust his righteousness and his goodness, to live by faith. I think that's why the Lord says to Habakkuk, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. So HSM, if you are a follower of Christ tonight, how will you choose to live in faithfulness to God in the middle of whatever you're struggling with. Because that's what God is asking us to do. And if you're here tonight and you are not a follower of Christ, can I encourage you that he is eager to show you his faithfulness if you would only be brave enough to ask the question, God, where are you? Again, a week from today, Kyle is actually gonna do part two of this series of Habakkuk, and we'll continue to get even more practical, but we really prayed and felt like it was important that we would be sitting with Habakkuk in the waiting and the in-between for God's answers to us. So here's what I want us to do. In a minute, we're all going to head to our life groups, and when we do that, I want us to go in a discipline of silence. I want us to practice that waiting a little bit, and so when we head out there, I don't want you to talk 
to anyone. Don't talk to your neighbors. And as soon as you get into your life groups, you're actually going to do another individual journaling prompt exercise. And then, and then you'll jump into your questions and your discussions. So I'm just going to pray for us. And remember that we will head to our life groups in silence. And if you're brand new tonight and you don't know where your life group is, come up to the stage and I'd be happy to take you where you're headed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much that you are good and that you are patient and that you invite us to ask you big questions. And God, I pray that tonight you would help us to be bold and vulnerable. That if there's something that we're carrying, that you would teach us through our life groups tonight, what it looks like to bring our complaints and our hurts and our sorrows to you and what it looks like to live by faith, trusting that you are good. We love you so much, Jesus. Be glorified in our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.